with an encouraging truth on what God's doing in you. Here's Pastor Ed Ray. God is changing us. Remember, we're in process. You are being sanctified. You're being set aside. That even right now, faith is coming into your life because faith comes from hearing the Word of God. So it's happening. Whether you're focused or not, God is doing it. Zion, now filled with hands And in this place gotta dwell with man Sick be healed and the crippled stand Singing hallelujah My kingdom built with the blood of my son Selfless sacrifice for everyone Faith, hope, love and harmony I said let this world know me by your love Isn't it funny that day by day nothing changes, said C.S. Lewis. And then he went on to say, but when you look back, everything's different. You know, things really do change, and God is really bringing about change in our lives, too. More on that in a few moments, but first, let me welcome you to Grow in Grace, Pastor Ed Ray. We're in a study of 1 Timothy, and we've come to chapter 4, and it's there we discover God's desire and ability to change our world, including us. He does so through a saving relationship with His Son, the Savior of all men. From 1 Timothy chapter 4, picking up in verse 10, here's Pastor Ed. Paul writes, For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those, or particularly those who believe. These things command and teach, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with all purity. Honor widows who are really widows, but if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents, for this is good and acceptable before God. Now she who is really a widow and left alone trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who lives in pleasure is dead, literally already dead, while she lives. And these things command that they may be blameless. Let's stop there and pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Help us to grasp, understand what it is you're saying for us today. Speak to us now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're talking about relationships today, so that seemed appropriate. Paul is writing about them. Years ago at our hospital here in town, they would take kids through and through all kinds of unsafe things before you know the government started taking care of us. So kindergartners would go through the laboratory and then there was a group of kindergartners that came through and then they went down to the x-ray department, so unsafe. And down there, one of the techs later told me of a conversation he had with a little girl that stuck with me. It was kindergarten, you know, five-year-old little girl and 
and uh, he takes out an x-ray, and he's going to explain it to the kids, and he says, has any one of you ever broken a bone? And the little girl in front of him says, yes. And he said, oh, did it hurt? And she said, no. He said, that's very unusual. What bone did you break? She said, my sister's arm. <laughs> <laughs> So, we're talking about getting along with people. Reading this week about saints who had tried to get along with people and couldn't. There was a guy, Simon Stylite, in the third or fourth century, 300s, and he was famous for putting himself on a pillar 60 foot in the air on a platform and not coming down for 37 years. It was near Aleppo, Syria, that we know about since it's in the news so much. But he spent that time up there trying to get closer to God, trying to get holy. Well, a guy over in France who had heard about it, Antoine of France, was deeply impressed by this act of holiness. And so he decided he should find a pillar and do it in France. And he wrote about it, so we know about what happened. And he said he couldn't find a pillar. The tallest thing he could find to put a platform on was his kitchen table. And so he took a chair, put it up on the table, got in his sackcloth, climbed up there, and sat down. And his wife came in and said, what are you doing? You know? And he said, oh, I'm getting closer to God. And she shook her head and left it. And it started being an argument between him and her and the kids. And, and they made his life miserable. Finally, the next day, he got down off the table and he wrote this. I soon perceived that it is a very difficult thing to be a saint while living with your own family. <laughs> I saw why Simon Stylites and Brother Jerome went into the desert. So they were trying to get closer to God. We're looking today at this letter again that Paul wrote almost 2,000 years ago to a young pastor in his first pastorate and he's in a difficult city, the city of Ephesus, which, Lord willing, we're going to be there in a few months and be able to see where Timothy was, where Paul is writing. Church there was growing, and Timothy was struggling because he was quite a bit younger than most of the congregation. So well, Paul writes to him about relationships, how to look at people. Evidently, he had questioned Paul, and Paul gives him some information on how to do it. Now, this is 2,000 years ago, and as we take this apart, I think you'll see it works exactly the same today. Nothing's changed in the 21st century. I was reading again about a Carnegie Institute study, and they found that 89% of all people who fail in their life's vocation, 9 out of 10, fail because they cannot get along with other people. So, it's a very important subject in the secular world, but certainly within the church. So, Paul is going to break this up into three parts. First, he talks about who God is, verse 10 through 12, the Savior of all, and then specific things to do for his own character, 13 through 16, and then the first seven verses in chapter 5, these relationships, and he's going to speak of five different kinds of relationships. So, let's jump in and see what God might say to you and I this morning, verse 10. For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach, serving the Lord, because we trust, believe, put our faith in the living God. God is alive. He is the God of the living, and He is living right now. The great I Am, He said to Moses, the becoming one. It's an important concept that you and I would understand that God 
will become whatever we need. He's saying, what is it you need? Come and ask, ask of me. Who is the savior of all, especially those who believe, or particularly those who have put their trust, belief in him? Here's the gospel in a simple phrase that God wants us to believe that Jesus died in our place. The great exchange of his life for mine, his life for yours, and every person on the planet who would put their trust in him. I trust that Jesus died for me. I believe, I have faith in that. There's no other thing in life you can put your trust in that will guarantee eternity. That's what Paul is saying. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. It says in John 3, 17, not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. A person will be condemned for only one thing, a failure to believe that God came to earth, Jesus Christ, and died for them. It's that simple. This is the letter of John, 1 John 2, 2. He is the atoning sacrifice, the covering sacrifice for our sins. And not only ours, but also the sins of the whole world. The cross was so broad, so deep, so tall, that it would encompass, it would take care of any person's sin at any time in history in any place in the world. Real broad. Verse 11, these things I command, these things command, excuse me, and teach. You do that. He's, he's charging this young pastor. You say, well, I'm not a pastor. No, no, this is for you. It's very much for you as it was for Timothy. You have a call on your life to share your faith with other people. Teach. It doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to be able to explain the Trinity. In fact, if you think you can, you're probably wrong. But just tell your story. You have a story that's different than mine, that's different than the person sitting next to you. Your story is exactly what someone needs to hear. Just be real. Just be who you are and tell them what it is. That's what he means when he says, teach here. Verse 12 don't let anyone despise your youth. If you're a young person, share with everybody, no matter what their age is. Despise your youth, but be an example to the believers of the world. And he gives a list. In word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. So let no one despise your age. Young people, especially and that's an attitude of heart. In fact, the word he uses here, that Paul uses, neotis, means anyone who is able to serve in the military, which means 20 years old to 40 years old if they had to retire at 40. So if you're 39 or younger, you are a young person. Aren't you glad? Isn't that wonderful? Paul says uh, that he was young, this young man, Timothy, probably we would guess about 28 to 30 years old because of when Paul met him, he went to the city of Lister where Timothy was. You can read about it in the book of Acts. And he, uh, Paul led Timothy and his mother and his grandmother to the Lord. First missionary journey. Second missionary journey about 12 years later. He came back, found that Timothy had grown, and he asked him to travel with him. And now Timothy has been left in Ephesus to 
minister to teach this church. So, over the years, over the ages, God has used young people especially. God has called young people into the field very early in their life. We'll pause here to welcome those who may have just joined us. We're so glad you're with us today on Growing Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. Now with part two of today's message and some examples of those who began their ministry at an early age, here's Pastor Ed in 1 Timothy 4. George Whitfield was preaching at 21, John Calvin at 17, Charles Spurgeon at 16. The Old Testament has three Hebrew children and then Daniel speaking to kings as a young man. Jeremiah, he said, well, I'm, I'm too young. And God said, do not say that you are a youth. I will go with you and speak. So God is calling this young man and young people here to come and do that. We have a, an interesting phenomena. Right now, 50% of the world's population is under 25 years old. Teenagers, a billion people. No wonder the world's so messed up, right? A billion teenagers, goodness gracious, right? We have 34 million, just kidding, kidding. 34 million in these United States. The average church budget only spends 2% on kids. That's wrong. That's where we ought to be putting our resources. And that's why we do in this church. You know, we've got a children's church that's going on that's much larger than this church. And we have vacation Bible school with gazillions of kids around and camps and whatnot. All that to reach kids because 90% of believers came to Christ before they were 21. God wants to use young people. So now he tells them, that we are a witness in these many ways. First of all, he says in word. The word is logos. It's talking about the word of God. Timothy's ministry of teaching. Again, you have a ministry of teaching, telling people about how God spoke to you. Do it in conversation. Do it naturally. You don't have to speak in King James English. You don't have to torture the other person. Just Tell them what God did in your life. In conduct, astronomy, the Greek word means in the things you do. So it's not just in what you say, but in the things that you do. Be consistent. Walk the talk. If you're a believer and you say you are, people know you are, then act like it. Look like it. In conduct. Thirdly, in love. This is the Greek word agape, probably the only Greek word that most people know. And it's uh, sacrificing love. It means benevolence. It means being kind to other people. And God is changing us. Remember, we're in process. You are being sanctified. You're being set aside. That even right now, faith is coming into your life because faith comes from hearing the Word of God. So it's happening whether you're focused or not. God is doing it in love. Next, in spirit, pneuma. This is probably talking about, because it's the smallest, the translators think he's talking about Timothy's attitude. Let your attitude reflect God. Don't get grumpy. Mm. Spiritually, how we see life. Do you see this, that God is moving, that you are engaged in a war? that the weapons of our warfare aren't carnal, they're not fleshly, they're not physical, they're not material, 
but they're spiritual for tearing down spiritual strongholds. You're in a battle. You're fighting. Put on the armor of God, Ephesians 6 says. Expect it to happen. Recognize who your enemy is. That's a spiritual view of life. In faith, pistis, okay, it means both faith in God, trust in God, but faithfulness in following him. You're weary. Most are. You had a hard week. We won't ask for a show of hands, but I'm sure most of you did. That's what it means to be a believer. Well, I'm in the middle of a storm, Pastor. Well, all of us are either in a storm or about ready to go into one. That's just the reality of what it means to be a believer. In this world, you will have tribulation. That's what Jesus said, and it happens. But have faith in God to get you through it. Then in purity, hagenia, sometimes translated sanctified, the same idea of being set aside for God. Set your sights on God, on his kingdom, on eternity, and he'll direct your paths. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. That's Proverbs 3. Till I come, verse 13. Paul says, I'm coming again to Ephesus to see you. Give attention to these three things. To reading, and the word here is agonosis, reading scripture out loud. That's why I did that at the beginning of this. You sat down, and after I'd read to you the Scripture, right now the Scripture's up here on these two giant screens. We're trying to emphasize the reading of God's Word. That's bringing faith to your life. When you hear that read publicly, you are changed by it. I am changed by it. We focus on going through the Word. It happens constantly. I'll be out in the front after service, and people walk up with kind of a puzzled look on their face. They say, we're just visiting. They said, oh, well, we're glad you're here. They say, well, you just gave a Bible study on a Sunday morning. They said, yeah. They said, well, we were expecting something, you know, more flowery. <laughs> they said, well, we try and teach all the way through the Bible. Because this verse says so. We are trying to be obedient to what this verse says, giving attention to the reading of God's Word, to exhorting, to encouraging people to align their life with this Word, and then lastly, the doctrine, instruction which is correct, lines up with the rest of the Bible. And so we try and give you that benefit, but you need to go and check it out. You need to check out what I said. Is that true? Are you sure, Pastor? And I love the challenges that many of you bring. And keep doing it. Keep digging. Verse 14. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which is given to you, was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands by the eldership. Now, don't ignore this. Don't be careless, it says literally, about the grace. The charisma is the Greek word the charismatic gift that God gave Timothy, and he gave you, and he gave me. When you receive God's forgiveness and his Holy Spirit in you, you receive a gift. Now, I wouldn't be surprised to hear you say, I don't know what my gift is, Pastor. Very simple. You go to the three places in the New Testament that are a list of the gifts of God, and ask God to show you and read through them and study them. Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 
in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. That's a list of gifts that every one of you, in fact, I've never met a believer that has less than two gifts. Paul said, earnestly desire all the gifts. God is giving away free stuff, all right? And he wants you and I to experience it, and he wants us to allow the Holy Spirit to use it. Laying out of hands, we'll read in the next chapter that Paul was among them when they laid their hands on this young man, Timothy, probably back in Lystra in his hometown. But that established in this young man that he had a call and he knew he was supposed to do certain things. Now, this supernatural world we're talking about can be natural to you. God wants us to be supernatural, but I believe he wants us to be doing it in a very normal, natural way. You don't have to pray in King James English. You don't have to, when you pray for someone to be healed, take out your handkerchief and wave it over to them or your sports coat or throw it on people or scream. You just be natural. Be normal. Be who you are. You're not going to talk the Holy Spirit into doing something he's not going to do anyway, but if you pray in faith, God will use you, get this, to heal people. Actually, you don't heal people. God does it, and he does it as much for them as he does for us. The person who gets healed is the one who received the gift of healing, not the person who prayed. Well, pastor, I've prayed for people and they don't get healed. Listen, I prayed for a lot more people than you have that didn't get healed, and I keep on praying. I'm an utter failure when it comes to making God heal people. But I keep praying because every once in a while, like happened last week, somebody came up and said, the doctor said he can't find the tumors. Praise God. Well, he said they probably mixed up the x-rays, but I know it was God. I agree, it was God. And so, just pray for people and let the Holy Spirit move through you, not, oh God, glory. No, just say, God, please heal this person, and he will hear. No slick presentation needed, no theatrics, no grandstanding, no dynamic delivery required. Be natural. And I got a really long list of those things I was upset when I saw somebody do something weird. Okay, verse 15, moving on. Meditate on these things. Interesting word. The word meditate is the same word as ruminate in the Greek language and in the Hebrew language too. David said he meditated on his bed. He ruminated on it. What's ruminate? You know, cow, grass, pasture, hay, bring it up again. I'm not going any deeper than that. You'll get the idea. So when you and I learn a scripture, we actually can say it back, memorize it, then you bring it up again. Can't sleep at night? Think about a scripture that you've spent some time learning. Of course, first of all, you have to learn some, right? God's the love of the world. Anybody can learn that scripture. You could spend months on that verse just thinking about what it means. The creator of all things loves the world. Yes. So, meditate on these things, give yourself over to them, and your progress may be evident. The word progress is interesting. In the Greek language, it means literally to trailblaze, to go somewhere where no one else has gone before. They've gone, but you haven't gone before, so for you, it's trailblazing before 
others. They're following you. Today on Grow in Grace, we brought you a portion of Pastor Ed's study in First and Second Timothy. For a CD copy of today's message, call 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Or listen online at thepackinghouse.org. And look for us on iTunes as well. We can hook you up with many more resources to help you grow in grace when you visit thepackinghouse.org. Like Pastor Ed's devotional. Speaking of resources, today we'd like to make special mention of Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, authored by renowned surgeon Dr. Paul Brand and Philip Yancey. Together they explore the human body and uncover statements that God has made about our bodies. They point out that the human body is like a window into the very structure of God's creation and a testament to God's glory. This month, we'll send this to those of you who support Grow in Grace with a donation of any amount. You might think of it as our way of saying thanks. Please remember that your gifts help us to bring Pastor Ed's teachings to the radio every day. To make a year-end contribution, go online at thepackinghouse.org or call 844-77-GRACE. This program is brought to you by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands. Blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith.